Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to what we think is the Monday Buckeye talk, unless something happened. Oh, no, Doug, you moved it. Doug Lamarie, Stephen Means, Nathan Baird. So this is our like sort of best of. It's a little half-butted. Like many years ago, man, it's like I've been here a long time. But at Cleveland.com, like six years ago, we did a whole thing of like we did awards. I think we called them the, the Cleveland.comies or something. It's a, it's a little dicey ground when you call something a commie. But um, we had like all these things like uh, Bud Shaw and I wore like suits and we had like fake backgrounds and we were at a, a podium and we handed out statues and it was like best Cleveland player, best this and that. I love that kind of stuff. I'd be up for that. This was sort of like, hey, get some suggestions from the texters and throw it out there. So I apologize. Next year we'll do tuxedos. But what we did is uh, in the end, guys, you and I sort of talked about it. I, I changed a little bit from what we had talked about. We did offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, true freshman of the year, but I smushed them together. I didn't do offense and defense. And the reason is I thought Denzel Burke would run away with it on defense and Trayvon Henderson would run away with it on offense, even though there's some other interesting guys at the other spots. I thought they would be the clear winners. So I wanted to make people pick. Now we're curious who wins Trayvon Henderson or Denzel Burke. Cause they're both very good candidates for true freshman of the year. Most surprising player of the year parentheses in a good way that would appear on the trophy in a good way. And I said I wasn't going to include Jackson Smith and Jigba in there because I thought he would run away with it. But then I did the ranking thing. And I know people make fun of me when I get the ranking thing wrong, but I was ranking. So it wasn't just click. So I thought I will include Jackson Smith and Jigba. And then that way you can still rank, you know, two through nine or whatever. And if he's at the top, that's fine. It doesn't affect it. And then we did play of the year. And here's where I have a terrible memory. Sometimes I wonder how my memory is so awful. And I, I like to tell myself it's because my life, life is filled with so many wonderful things. I can't remember the past, but then I realized my memory is ridiculous. I couldn't have thought of one, but the tech subscribers sent in good options. I did seven and we'll run through those and then see what you guys think. But let's start gentlemen with offensive player of the year. And I'm here to be criticized as always here at Buckeye talk. These were the candidates that officially went out CJ Stroud, all three receivers, Travion Henderson, Nicholas Petit Frere. Nathan, is that a fair ballot for Offensive Player of the Year for the Ohio State Buckeyes, those six nominees? Or did I do someone a disservice by leaving them out? Or was there somebody I put in there that I should have put in? I mean, I suppose there's a, some academic argument as to whether Nicholas Petit Frere is the best offensive lineman or the only one you should put on the list. But I don't think that person is going to win no matter who you pick. So, no, I think that's a pretty good list. Any, any disputes, Stephen, with that list? Nope. All right. Steven, who would be your Ohio State Offensive Player of the Year? C.J. Stroud. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's maybe more of a semantic argument than any of them. It's just, you know, no, he's not. He's probably not the best player this year, but everything goes through him. And if he's not the type of player he is, and if he didn't have the growth he is, it doesn't matter how good Jackson Smith and Jigby is because he never has the numbers. And the same can go for Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, and to an extent, Travion Henderson as well. So, CJ Stroud. I did uh, briefly hesitate on some of the semantics, as we always do here on Buckeye Talk. 
not MVP, not MVP. Because valuable is like, well, it has to be poor. So it's not, I didn't say valuable. And I was going to say most outstanding, right? M-O-P, people do that sometimes. But then I thought, well, that's just using fancy words. Outstanding, that's three syllables. Why use three syllables? Player of the year, Nathan, is what I landed on. And, and then again, you can take that however you want. Maybe to me, it leans a little more outstanding than valuable. If you want to combine the two, whatever. But I did player of the year. Nathan, who would you pick? I think there was a point this season where I might have picked Garrett Wilson. There was That was the guy I picked before the season as the one who would emerge as Ohio State's most dominant player as a player. But I think at the end of the day, I would also pick C.J. Stroud. I think that the growth that he showed over the course of the season pushed him through to a place that made everything else that happened with this offense possible. And I do think, again, I had sort of made the argument at various times along the way of like, hey, if I was doing a Heisman vote, I think I actually might vote Garrett as Ohio State's guy. But then we, you know, the Heisman doesn't include everything for some freaking reason. It should someday. CJ threw like 900 yards in the Rose Bowl, right? And Garrett, as it turns out, missed two of the 13 games, which, you know, and CJ also missed one of the 13, but he missed the Akron games. Who cares? And like when Garrett was out, they were fine. So like, I I don't feel like that means that I would change what I was saying when I was saying it about who I maybe thought Ohio State's actual best like Heisman candidate was. But after you see the way that CJ finished the year, I also would vote CJ here. CJ won. 1.57 for CJ (coughs) Stroud. 1.57 One point, Nathan, Nathan, Nathan is eating pretzels on his parents' bed. Buckeye duck. So Hold I can't on. help I, it. I, 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 I couldn't help but give it away. It just was funny because you coughed and then it, made, it reminded well, me of you being on your parents' bed eating pretzels. I, I, I was done eating pretzels and uh, am now was having some uh, other problems, some connectivity problems. And because I was, I was, Focused on fixing that, I forgot to mute myself before I coughed. I have a pretty good track record, almost too good of a track record of muting myself. Uh, no, I'm usually the one that mutes you. So that's true. Usually I just mute you in mid-sentence because I hit the wrong button for no reason. Uh, this is interesting. I wonder if people find this in their lives. Parents don't typically have podcast slash Zoom level internet connectivity. Because there was a time I was at my in-law's house. Uh, for some podcast over break. And there were some issues with that. And it is a reminder, Nathan, I mean, all of us, you know, we're young, I'm 48, I'm young and hip, but like you got to pay if you're in this business, especially in the pandemic Zoom world, you got to pay for the old, uh, old internet boost to get that extra signal. And then when you just have a normal boost, like I, I just, I don't want to assume things. Are your parents podcasters, Nathan? No, no. So they don't need the boost. They just get on the internet and play Wordle or whatever, right? So like it's normal. And then sometimes the connectivity of just a normal thing, Nathan turned his video off and he stopped eating pretzels. So CJ Stroud wins clearly, but actually it's a little close. 1.57 to 2.16 was second, 2.85 was third, 4.40 was fourth, 4.62 was fifth, 5.39 was sixth. Nathan, who do you think was second? I think Jackson Smith and Jigbo was second. Steven, who do you think was second? Travion Henderson. I, I do think you can be a bit of a prisoner of the moment with Jackson Smith and Jigbo. Jackson Smith and Jigbo was second. Garrett Wilson was third. Chris Olave was fourth. Travion Henderson was fifth. Nicholas Petit Frere was sixth. That's interesting. So, I mean, the people leaned into the receivers, right? It wasn't like the receivers split it and Travion moved up. This was a passing team. And it was, it's not weird, Stephen, but Travion announced himself with a gigantic game. And then he had some gigantic plays the rest of the year, but he didn't really have a gigantic game the rest of the year. And he ran for whatever, 1,200 yards. He had a very good season for a true freshman running back. Nobody is disputing that. 
but I do think Stephen, like, I don't know what, how would we characterize it? Did he maybe, based on what he did when he sort of took over the job, did he not quite explode in the offense as maybe we thought he would the last eight games of the year? Not at all a criticism. And did his job and was really good and was battling a little bit of a nagging injury thing. And they want to make sure they don't overuse him. And he's a true freshman. But I do think there was a time where we thought Trevion Henderson, like just might go bonkers to end the year. And, and he was good, but I don't know if he went bonkers. Yeah. I mean, he had the 152 against Penn state and then he didn't get over a hundred the rest of the season. I do think it was, it's more of a reflection of, uh, play calling approach than on him, but yet also he's, you know, 18 years old and didn't play football last year. So they probably weren't going to kill his workload every single week weekend. But I do think there are often some games this year where if the run game didn't work in the first two series, they just weren't going to run the ball anymore. And they just started chucking it around a little bit because one thing you did see is I, I think the the less they use Travion Henderson, the more you saw Jackson Smith and Jigba get involved just because they were throwing it that much more. And you can't just, I mean, well, unless you're Jackson, it's not going to be a guy with 15 catches every single game, right? And so they were really spreading it around. And all three of those guys were getting six, seven, eight catches a game for 85 to 100 yards per game. So I, I think it's less of a, his production went down. It's just the level of competition went up, but then also Ryan Day just stopped wanting to run the ball a lot of the times. And, like, they didn't run the ball great at the end of the year. Trevor Henderson, 17 for 83 against Utah, 17 for 74 against Michigan, 4.9-yard average per carry against Utah, 4.4 against Michigan. As you said, he had that 152 against Penn State. Then the last five games, 92, 98, 63, 74, 83. Nathan, again, awesome year. True freshman, 1,248 yards, 6.8 yards per carry, 15 touchdowns. Also, Cat caught 27 passes for 312 yards. So that's six, 1,560 yards from scrimmage, Nathan. That is a ridiculous true freshman year for Trevion Henderson, but he wasn't dropping 200-yard bombs on everybody the last month of the year. Yeah, and I think when you're an award like this is going to go to maybe a little bit more flash. He had the big flash early on, and then it didn't really quite – sustain as far as like those ex explosions so it, i will say with, with henderson it always seemed like he was on the always on the brink of maybe having one of those games and you're always ready for it i just don't know if it delivered quite the same way as especially the way that jackson smith the jigba surged at the end of the season where he basically packed an all-american season's worth of production into like five or six games there at the end and and henderson also just having some weird games where he didn't play the second half contributes a little bit to those totals. All right. So congratulations to CJ Stroud. I don't know. We're probably allowed to buy him something now, right? You can buy him a, we can get him like a gift certificate to Chili's. Would that be, I don't know. What can we get? I mean, he probably made more money than us this past year. So I think he should buy us something, but it is what it <laughs> that's is. how our awards work. Congratulations. <laughs> you owe us $50. Yeah. CJ, please send us a gift card to Piata. Uh, so CJ Stroud wins it. Jackson Smith and Jigba second Garrett Wilson with the bronze defensive player of the year. Steven, did I miss anybody up front? Haskell Garrett, Tyreek Smith, Zach Harrison on the defensive line linebacker. I put in steel chambers, defensive backfield, cornerback Denzel Burke and safety Ronnie Hickman. Those were the six guys I put out as nominees for defensive player of the year. Is there somebody else I should have added? No, but that's fine. Honestly, I think you you can make a better case that you could have cut a name off here than you can make a case of adding anybody. Who would you have? Well, I don't know. Do you want to say who you think I maybe could have cut off or leave that to people's imaginations? I don't know if both Tyreek Smith and Zach Harrison deserve to be on here. I, I don't know which one should be on here, but I don't know if they both had to be on this list. That's a nice way of saying it. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And and Steel Chambers like really like wasn't like a full time starter until yeah halfway through the year. So again, we've had the Steel Chambers linebacker uh, conversation before. Nathan, what do you think of those six nominees? Any quibbles? 
No, I think it makes sense. Um, and, and just maybe to respond to what Steven is saying, like that, it, it's tough to make a distinction between those two because there were times this year where Tyree Smith seemed like the best football player, maybe not football player on this roster, but certainly on this defense. And then Zach Harrison leads them in important defensive categories for the year. So I don't know who you would leave off either of those two. Again, like Zach Harrison's like PFF grade is super high, right, Nathan? That's kind of been the case all year. Yeah, it's it's fairly strong, especially relative to the rest of this defense. Yeah. So I will say this before we announce this. Some people had suggested, and I took the, the suggestion into consideration, like do like a team MVP, do overall. But there was such an imbalance this year between the offense and the defense, how they produced as groups, and then sort of the standout players on offense and defense. Like Nathan, I thought, well, if we do a team MVP, it's just going to be whoever wins the offensive player of the year, right? That it's like, what, what, off, what defensive person is going to like bust through the offensive domination by this team. So I, that's why I didn't bother doing it. Do you think I should have, or do you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I, it, this would be, no, there was no chance. I think it's, it, it's a better exercise to let that stand on its own. Nobody on this defense was going to p- possibly push through multiple candidates on this offense. Okay. So Nathan, who is your Nathan Baird defensive player of the year for Ohio state? I struggled with this. Because <laughs> there were just so many uh, places where there were just uh, issues. I think it might have been Tyreek Smith if he had been healthier and been able to sustain some of the things he did. At the end of the day, I went with the guy that I thought whose consistency gave this defense a chance to stabilize and be um, good enough, which it ultimately wasn't. So I went with Ronnie Hickman. Ronnie Hickman. Steven, who was your choice? Yeah, Ronnie Hickman. I mean, he had 99 tackles as a safety and basically watched his responsibilities kind of shift in the middle of the year after Josh Proctor got hurt. Um, He's the only one where you don't have to add caveats of, oh, if only he'd have been healthier all year, maybe he'd have been in a situation. He never was a third stringer who had no expectations of playing this year to all of a sudden being the best guy in his room. Um, He was just... Maybe it's not even an MVP award this year or a defensive player of the year's award. It's just the most consistent defensive player. Who was that? It's probably Roddy Hickman. Yeah, it, it, it's not spectacular, but it is consistent. Uh, the only Ohio State defensive player who made first team all Big Ten was Haskell Garrett. Roddy Hickman was a second team choice by the coaches and a third team choice by the media. I think I would also say Ronnie Hickman for me influenced in part by the fact that he like made a really big play in the Rose bowl, which was like a little last thing of like, Hey, that guy's important. He did not win for the texters and the texters picked Denzel Burke 1.85 for Denzel Burke, Ronnie Hickman second at 2.22, then a pretty big gap. Haskell Garrett, 3.70 steel chambers four, 3.89. Tyreek Smith, fifth, 4.55. Zach Harrison, sixth, 4.78. Steven, I'm a little surprised. I understand what you were saying, like, hey, maybe you didn't need both defensive ends, but it's sort of hard to pick one. But that they finished, like, pretty convincingly fifth and sixth. Feels like people are not overly impressed with the defensive back play. I mean, they finished behind a guy who, like, started the year as a running back and switched to linebacker, and all we said all year was the linebackers aren't good enough. Are you surprised at all that Tyreek Smith and Zach Harrison were fifth and sixth on this list, or does that match the reality or either what you thought people would think of this? They had a combined five sacks this year. That's why they finished fourth and fifth. Those are two guys where everybody in the world is thinking, oh, this is the next in that great line, and neither one of them are quite that. Um, so that's probably part of it is that if you, if your expectation is already ridiculously high and then you come nowhere near it, then you're going to get penalized a lot more than, you know, Ronnie Hickman is going to get penalized or Denzel Burke or even Steel Chambers if their expectations are not as high. But then also, I mean, t- to credit them, I think their best moment this year was probably better than everybody else on this list. Best moment. I think there's a case to be made there, but at the same time, you know, when they weren't at their best, it was just not anywhere close to what it needed to be for this team to win. And and that's why, you know, this defense wasn't, if they, if those two specifically had been, you know, 
25% better than what they were this year, Ohio State probably doesn't have two losses. Or at least they don't lose to Michigan. Tyreek Smith, second team, all Big Ten for the coaches, third team for the media. Zach Harrison, third team for the coaches, second team for the media. So a flip-flop there. Nathan, what do you think of the idea of Denzel Burke winning this thing for, for our texters? He would have made my top four or five. I mean, he ranks like 12th on the team in, uh, well, better than that when you start cutting down for um, snaps taken as far as their PFF grade. But his PFF grade is fine, um, 68.8. By comparison, Zach Harrison, 82. Uh, you know, Tyreek Smith, 74.9. Um, I, I think that that's a nod to uh, being excited about how good he was as a true freshman and about how good he probably will be someday. And also, if you're talking about value, not just most outstanding defensive player, if someone were interpreting this as value, maybe you do lean a little bit towards him because of just how thin they still were at that position. Yeah, and it's hard, like, even for instance, like Haskell Garrett. I mean, Haskell Garrett sort of like, changed the Michigan state game on the first series of the game and like sort of set the path of what was going to happen with the Michigan state offense in that game. And then like, he didn't start against Michigan, which is fine, but like he opted out of the Rose bowl and, you know, you start running Tyleek Williams and, you know, Jerron cage and other guys through there and, and, and it's defensive tackle. So it's not as flashy. I get it, but you know, I, I don't know if there was a gaping hole when Haskell Garrett wasn't on the field for them. It is one of those things like Denzel Burke compared to everybody else, right? To Denzel Burke compared to like when Legend Cavazos and Ryan Watch were getting snapped. And Denzel Burke compared to, you know, God, what if you wouldn't have had him? Um, I think that elevates his case. And I think a lot of people are sort of thinking that way. And then, you know, you're out there on the island. You're making plays, right? So I I, I don't think it's an unreasonable vote by the texters. I would have him, if you say you would have had him maybe fourth or something, to you, I think I would have had him. Um, I might have even had him second if I had Heckman first. I might have had Denzel Burke second in terms of impact, impact slash like irreplaceabilities. Like, man, what if you didn't have this guy? How much trouble would you be in? I don't know if that's how the way you're supposed to do it or not. But um, Denzel Burke, the winner for the Texas. Go ahead, Nathan. I should just real quick interject that uh, as long as I'm mentioning PFF grades, Ronnie Hickman was actually right below Denzel Burke, sixty-seven point nine. So that's in my eye and in PFF's eye. Yeah. Which as we say, always PFF useful, not the end all be all. Right. Right. So what helps Burke a little bit here is um, there were some really good receivers in the big 10 and he had to face all of them and he held his own against pretty much every single one of them. And I think that's a, that's a, because even early in the season when he was playing pretty well, I think we were all just like, all right, he ain't played no good receivers yet. And then he played David Bell, and then he played Jahan Dotson, and he played Ty Freifogel, and for yep. the most part held his own against every single one of those guys. It's like, okay, this is real. This guy is a legitimate you know, candidate to be a freshman All-American, and he's now on watch to be the next like dude at corner at Ohio State. Part of the argument right. against Burke, though, would be – uh, while the whole defense played poorly against Michigan, he was one of the primary examples of that. Yes. Also true. Also true. All right. We will take a quick break. Denzel Burke, I guess Denzel Burke and Ronnie Hickman both owe us a $50 gift card because they kind of split it. Hickman was the media choice. Burke was the texter choice. So they each send us a $50 gift card. We appreciate that. Uh, next up, true freshman of the year. We'll do that next on Buckeye Talk. Doug Nathan Stevens. So I just want to tell this real quick. I was on like a meeting, a company meeting. So I don't know if you guys know we're cleveland.com, but like we're part of a larger. Also, why would you care? We're part of a larger organization. It's called advanced media. We have stuff in Oregon. We have a giant presence in Alabama. We have a giant presence in Michigan. We have a big presence in New Jersey. The Newark star ledger was a flagship paper. We have a big presence in Pennsylvania, you know, we're, we're not in all 50 states, but we have coast to coast and north to south. Uh, you know, we're a pretty decent-sized company. So we were having a meeting about podcasts. And, I, you know, I don't know what I'm doing on there. But there's, uh, you know, they're like people who make decisions and 
deal with money and that kind of thing. And I just want to tell you guys this, and I'm not like trying to just like made me feel good. And I just, it's because of you listeners that this is the case, but this is this company. We're kind of all over the place. And they were talking about, well, we want to do this. We want to do that. And they used an example. And the guy said, well, for instance, with our flagship podcast, Buckeye Talk. And it's like, you know, just so you guys know, the listeners here, you're not, you know, this is just not some little like a thing where, you know, some guy sitting in his parents' bed eating pretzels. I mean, it is that, but it's also, you know, with the flagship podcast of our company. So that made me feel good. It should make Nathan and Steven feel good, but it should make you guys feel good because we're that because of you. So thanks to everybody who listens. I, I hope you know that we appreciate you. And I hope you know that we don't take you for granted. And I hope you know that we try to do our best to serve you guys. And um, I just wanted to say that because I, that was a kind of a nice thing to have pop up that, uh, that Buckeye Talk has a lot of people that listen to it. And we appreciate that. Freshman of the year candidates. I combined this because I wanted to see what the top two dudes would do head to head. The candidates for true freshman of the year on the offensive side of the ball, Ameke Buka and Marvin Harrison Jr. And certainly you take a Buka's uh, special teams into account as well, plus Trevion Henderson at running back. Then four guys defensively, JT Tui Malowau, Jack Sawyer, Tyleek Williams, Denzel Burke. I don't think I missed anybody, Nathan, right? I mean, they ended up playing. That's a, that's a lot of true freshmen playing meaningful roles for Ohio State. We probably should double back on that. I don't know if that's the largest influx of like now a book at Harrison, you know, weren't game to game Sawyer kind of came on more at the end of the year, but honestly, like JT Tyleek Denzel and Travion, those dudes were kind of there from the jump. Nathan, that's a pretty nice little group of uh true freshmen helping out, you know, one of the top six teams in the country. I didn't leave anybody out. Did I? No, but I, I would say a actually was game to game if you take in his kick return duties which were um, you know among the best in the True. league and um it seemed like he was you know always on the on the cusp of breaking one so no it was it was a huge year of of freshman involvement and and mu- a much needed one frankly like imagine where they would have been if they hadn't seen that sort of surge of true freshman talent and i wish i know some groups do uh national groups do like all freshman teams and stuff and they lumped together the red shirt freshman and the true freshman, like CJ Stroud, <clears throat> excuse me, I think made some like, you know, freshman teams. Cause it's, but I, I just, it's not the same thing, you know? And like in a world where like red shirting doesn't matter because no good guy stays for a fifth year. And with the COVID year, everybody's a red shirt first year on campus, man, first year in college. That's what matters to me that like you got there and boom, you're doing it. That's such a different animal. So this is true freshman, Nathan, who would you pick? I would pick Denzel Burke. And I think for me, the deciding factor between him and Trevion Henderson, and maybe this is unfair, but it was, it was pretty close in my mind, but we sort of expected Trevion Henderson to get here and do this. And to some extent, and Denzel Burke arriving and doing what he did was not only uh, unexpected to this level, but also critical for again giving this defense any chance to be in the position it was late in the season steven who do you pick quick thing real quick donovan jackson is the only or only five star who was an original member of the 2021 recruiting class who did not start the game for ohio state this year mccord egbuka henderson sawyer Tui Maloa. Yep. And then, like, obviously, Quinn's like the three class. So I saw I said original five star member. Original recipe. Quinn's like yes. extra crispy. Yeah. 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 The I extra thought- crispy that, like, immediately. No, it's the extra crispy that you forgot to actually, like, get from the other window because yeah, they went back to sometimes. Texas. That, that yeah. actually is what this is like. I mean, we're all doing more takeout in the pandemic, right? Yeah. Do you guys, when you get the takeout, do you make yourself go through the bag? Like if you have multiple orders, because usually I'm getting takeout, I'm getting it for four. Do you make yourself go through and double check that you have everybody's order? Or do you just think, I don't want to open the bag. I'm sure it's there. And you just go home. It depends on where you're getting it from. Sometimes there's places that, you know, are reliable and they 
they hit it every time. Uh, and then there's other places that, based on past history, are a little sketchier. So plus, we're it's usually just me and my wife. We're only getting for two, so it's a little harder to screw up two than four. I check now because all it took was for one person to mess up my order, and now I do it every single time. I'll hold up the line to do it too. <laughs> there are times when it feels like to me like I would rather run a marathon then open up the bag and go through unstack the stuff and double check mm. are the pot stickers at the bottom we ordered the pot stickers are the pot stickers in it's just like i don't know i just want to go home so sometimes i don't do it but i feel like that's almost like ryan day was like okay i got my order and he went home and he's like oh i got my jt got my sawyer yep did i get my was it got my yeah got the egg buka yep a little side of i got a mccord appetizer Right, I didn't want to cut to. Ooh, this Henderson looks really good. I'm surprised. I never had this Burke before. This is good. And then it's like, forgot That's my Quinn. ewers. God, <laughs> they owe me. A, Steve Sarkeesian owes me an order of ewers right now. What are you doing, man? I did think Quinn put out like a Twitter photo the other day. I thought he looked older. It's like he, 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 I don't know if his neck got thicker like Pete Warner or what, but I thought like, you know, Texas agrees with him. So good luck to Quinn Ewers. He didn't start for Ohio State this year, no matter how many people predicted that he might. There's no Nathan, Nathan, you picked Denzel Burke. Steven, do you pick Trevon Henderson or Denzel Burke? Yeah, I went with Denzel Burke just because given how the state of things were, I think the defense needed Denzel Burke to be what he was more than the offense needed Travion Henderson to be what he was in this season. If that makes sense. That does. Cause as we said, they just chucked it all over the place. And so yeah. if they were playing Mayan Williams or master Teague. Would that have prevented them from chucking it all over the place? Probably not. I would as good as Denzel Burke was, I would definitely vote for Trayvon Henderson because if we remember Back in the old days, let's go way back to the old days, to the first two games of the season when Trevion Henderson wasn't starting, and we were like, what are you doing? Start him! And remember like, when he didn't play that much, and then they threw him a 70-yard screen at the in the Minnesota game, and we were like, what are you? I don't want Master Teague and mine Williams to play ahead of him. Stop it. And then he just came in, and now, we're, now I'm like, oh, we only ran for 91 yards. What's up with that guy? Um, he's so explosive. It's so obvious to anybody just watching it. The difference between a back who's a difference maker and a back who's good. And we just got the absolute clear indication of that this year. And I agree. I mean, I agree that probably maybe Burke was more valuable in the sense of, well, if you didn't have him and the guys behind him, we saw the, you know, could you have gotten through could you have gotten through the year with Mayan Williams and Master Teague and basically been the same team? I guess, but I would have been screaming the whole time, Nathan. I would have been like, this is not good enough. What? They need a more explosive running back than this. And I know the Mayan Williams stands are saying, Doug, you're crazy. But I just thought, it's just, it looked as like, yes, that's what this is supposed to look like. And again, we've said before, I've said before, I think maybe if he starts against Oregon, maybe they beat Oregon. So it's like, well, what would have been the difference? It's like, well, they played him earlier. They might've won the game. They, they lost early on and then made the playoff. So um, it's close, Nathan, but I, I would definitely go with Trevion Henderson. I think I, I, I think if you are voting just on like, you know, as you're saying, if it's outstanding player, if it's just who played better this season, um, I, I can see voting for for Henderson. I do think that the impact. I understand the argument you're making. I think the game to game impact of Burke was still more crucial. If that makes sense. This is the difference between most valuable and best and best player. This is where that comes to collide itself a little bit and it's one of those things like again i'm make i would make a case that henderson was still very valuable but if the if the counter argument to well no running back is all that valuable when you've got this passing game like they'd be fine they'd be fine they'd just throw it more if they gave it to henderson 17 times they would have given it to somebody else 12 times they'd be fine that's hard to refute that like you can when the passing game is so good, as we said, sometimes every piece of our analysis was potentially invalidated because Ohio State can just chuck it on you. 
You can also say like, well, I don't know the offensive. I just get it out of there and get it to Jackson Smith and Jigman. Let him go. Well, I don't know the tight ends. Well, I, like everything else, maybe doesn't matter all that much because the quarterback and the receivers are so good. But I, I would make an outstanding, I think, and a valuable case for Trayvon Henderson. Steven, who do you think the Texters picked? And I'll preface it by this, you guys. The vote was 1.65 to 1.67. That's how tight this was. So this is like legit people. And then third place, who's JT2 Malowal, 3.81. So that's, I mean, it's clearly these two guys. It's that tight. It's basically split. Who do you think edged out with the victory, Steven? I'm a little... I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a little shocked that JT was third. Um, but I think Travion Henderson edged out Denzel. Nathan, what do you think? And I'll say Burke edged out simply because the same voting body had voted him the defensive player of the year. Yeah. And act, and had Travion fifth, an offensive player of the year. Mm, yeah. Travion won. Travion 1.65, Burke 1.67. JT, 3.81. Tyleek Williams, 4.74. Emeka Buka, 4.81. Jack Sawyer, 5.27. Marvin Harrison Jr., 6.05. I'm not surprised JT was third. Steven, who did you think might be third? I thought Tyleek might be third. He was second on the team in sacks. And when we did a ranking of Ohio State's like top 15 defensive players like a month ago, he was like stupid high for the Texers almost to the point that we had mm. to go, okay, we have to calm down a little bit. I understand what he's doing is, is pretty crazy, but a lot, a lot of it is coming in garbage snaps at the end of the game, Oregon's tired defenses. You know, they, Everybody was just so all in on Talik Williams that it just felt like he was just going to be third on this list. And we do well, – he still – I don't think he played 200 snaps. I don't have the PFF no. grades up. 183. How many JT play? I'm looking right now. Hold on one second. Uh, I think JT played 86. So like a hundred more snaps, a hundred more uh, and production matters. Right. I mean, again, Ty Leak to, to do what he did at 183 snaps. I would put JT third, Nathan, who would you, who would you put third behind the obvious top two? It's tricky because yes, I think JT Tumalau had a more game to game, snap to snap, bigger impact. I understand that, that Williams led in, in or had more sacks, but some of those were coming, you know, second halves and, and things like that. Man, I don't know. I don't know who I'd pick. I might pick a Mecca Buga third. Really? I mean, it is pretty, it, it is pretty close. I think there are cases to be made. Um, I think in the end, JT was their third defensive end this year, wasn't he? I, or was Jav- Essentially, Jav- yeah. third? Um, uh, no. go by snaps. Um. I mean, JT started for like two games alongside either Tyree Smith or Zach Harrison. With John Baptiste healthy... had about, yeah, John Baptiste had about fifty more snaps than than okay. Tumaloal. I, I thought Tumaloal like belonged from the jump. I thought he made impact at times. I thought he played enough snaps that it wasn't uh, you're fresher. That's the only reason you got pressure on that because you're playing against tired offensive line. Ah, eh, it was kind of like second half against the backup. I thought he was like a real dude um, from the jump. And like, you know, if they would have needed him, I think he could have done even more and they, they didn't need him. And I thought, I thought it was like almost like a perfect freshman year for a guy like that. I thought in the end, I don't know that statistically it was, but I thought in the end, it was kind of similar to Chase Young's freshman year that like you're there's guys ahead of you for sure. And again, it's like JT was third, probably chase was fifth, but with the rotations and stuff, I mean, I think JT probably played a few more snaps than chase did, but you got a sense. The impact was real. You knew they were dudes. They didn't have to rely on them, but yet they could have, if they needed to, and you got a sign of things to come. So I, I thought that was a really productive freshman year for JT to Malowal. All right. Let's go to most surprising player of the year in a good way. And I gave eight candidates for this, and I was influenced by the texters on this. I sent out my original list and said, I think these are my candidates. Tell me if I'm missing anybody. I will say there was a couple guys, especially that I didn't have Noah Ruggles on this list originally, and that was an oversight by me. So that was well done by the texters to remind me of that. So on special teams, it's Noah Ruggles. Defensively, it was Tommy Eichenberg, 
Steel Chambers, Ronnie Hickman. And people really wanted Ronnie Hickman in this surprising discussion, even though it's like, well, he's like a candidate for best defensive player. And again, this was, you can't be a true freshman. So Denzel Burke's not in here. So it's Hickman, Chambers, and Eichenberg on the defensive side. Cade Stover has a little bit of both, mostly tight end, but a little bit of linebacker. And then also offensively, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba at receiver. And then Dewan Jones and Matthew Jones, the Jones brothers on the offensive line. Those were the eight candidates for most surprising player of the year in a good way. Nathan, did I miss somebody? Did I screw it up or was that an okay list? That sounded pretty good good i didn't i didn't write down all those names but that sounded pretty right if you're not including two freshmen and i didn't include cody simon and i did include eichenberg and i know it was like steven was on simon island early in the spring at a time when we thought then that dallas gant was going to be the starter i i could have included cody simon um but like eichenberg was kind of, kind of lower ranked in the recruiting and like even though simon maybe you didn't think was going to start maybe i should no. have included simon i don't know no this is fine if, if, if the argument was between those two simon is just doing what a top 100 recruit does he's on his normal you know progression here tommy eichenberg is i mean he's coming off being rose bowl mvp with like 17 tackles i don't think anybody would have thought that was in the cards for him and I don't want to have too much recency bias, but like Cody Simon was hurt for the Rose Bowl and Tommy Eichenberg yes. was the defensive player of the year for the Rose Bowl. So I don't know. It influences a little bit. It's one thirteenth of the season. Mm-hmm. Okay. Again, the candidates, Jones, Jones, Stover, Smith and Jigba, Hickman, Chambers, Eichenberg, Ruggles, Nathan, who you got for most surprising player of the year. And this again is some personal preference of, your own expectations versus the guy's performance versus what the wider expectations were. I don't know what the white writer think about it is. What did you think, Nathan? Before I reveal my answer, I want to say, and I'll, I'll, I'll take a very small cut of this, but assuming Dewan comes back, he and Matt Jones should get together in some kind of NIL venture around the concept of being the Jonas brothers, like the Jones us brother, something like that. I think there's something there. Some t-shirts, some something. So let me ask. I think I've talked about it on this podcast. Did you guys watch the Jonas Brothers special? No, 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 no. Because no. John John Legend, huge Ohio State fan, John Legend, mm-hmm. sang a song to the Jonas Brothers on that special that he wrote for them that was called Not Quite the Beatles. And it was it was actually very funny. John Legend is, is a pretty human. I like John Legend. He was I'd watch something with John Legend in it, maybe not not so much the Jonas Brothers. Yeah, it was kind of one of those things. It was like, why is John Legend singing on the Jonas Brothers show? Shouldn't the Jonas Brothers maybe be like serving hors d'oeuvres at the John Legend appreciation show? Like this doesn't quite <laughs> yeah. seem right. And I say that as a Jonas Brothers. I mean, I love the Jonas Brothers. I watched that the, the heck out of that show. Um, multifaceted. Uh, anyway. I like it. I like it. And I think there are opportunities there. And I do like the idea of like part of name image and like this is now us just coming up with crazy ideas for people but the joe and us brothers is as good as the zach and jack zach attack oh it's not quite that good this is a little yeah, this is a little bit more forced but it's i think there's something there they can they can they've got guys who handle that they can look into it uh my winner though is on the other side of the ball i completely dismissed the idea that steel chambers was going to be a useful player on this defense i thought it was a semi-ridiculous how much time that we and other people were were giving to it in the off season, because it's just one of those things that was eating up oxygen at a time when there wasn't a lot to be eaten up. Uh, And he turns out to have arguably been like, was he the best linebacker on this team this year? I mean, he's in the conversation as far as like how he was playing at the end of the year. So uh, now he goes into next year as a guy that you sort of count on to be a a part of this defense and potentially a huge part of this defense. So I think, I think it's gotta be steel chambers. Steven, what's your vote? So let me, before I get my vote, the problem with the steel chambers thing is, I don't know how much of that is a credit to him actually just being a really good linebacker and he should have just been a linebacker all along, which the point of, he probably should have just been a linebacker all along. And how much of that is like, not necessarily because of what he was doing is, or because of what everybody else wasn't doing. So I don't, that's why he can't win for me. It's Jackson Smith and Jigman. The dude broke the record for the most receiving yards in the Big Ten in a single season. 
Uh, and I understand he's really good and he's a five star and he's but, but Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave exist and he just spent the last four, five weeks proving that. Not we had a discussion earlier this year about ranking these three receivers and I think I was the only one who said that Chris Olave was third on this list. I mean that's factual now. Jackson Smith the Jigba is clearly the best of those three receivers and nobody thought that at the beginning of the year. In fact, it would have been okay to just assume he'd have been not really getting the ball that much because Chris and Garrett were going to get the ball. Nobody thought the Nebraska game or the Rose Bowl, especially not, these games were not supposed to exist for him this year. This is that's ridiculous what he was able to do. If Steven would have offered, have offered like a prediction in the preseason, it was like, Oh, what do you think uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to do this year? If Steven would have been like, I think he's going to set the big 10 record for receiving yards in the season. We would have had a like, get off the podcast moment. Like I would yeah. have been like, what are you talking about? Stop saying ridiculous things. And that's what he did. So that is also my vote to the extent that like, I wasn't going to put him in the balloting. Cause it's like, who's the most surprising year. I would say the guy who had the greatest receiving season in Ohio state history as the third receiver in the offense who had like one catch that mattered last year. It's like one of the most surprising seasons in Ohio state history, steel chambers. It was sort of like, well, I don't know. We don't really have any linebackers steel chambers. Was like I can do it. And they were like, okay. And that is not to dismiss that. Cause Nathan, I agree with everything you said. I, I did dismiss it. I thought it was like, whatever DeMario and steel chambers change sides of the ball. It doesn't matter. But Jackson Smith and Jigba, broke like 10 different records it's it's insane he is a surprise at like the highest level so i thought i thought it was so obviously jackson smith and jigba that i was going to remove him from the category and then i decided no i'll keep him in so steven and i vote for jsn nathan are you persuaded at all by anything that Stephen and I said, or are you like, nope, it's Steel Chambers? Yeah, honestly, I kind of had forgotten that Jackson Smith the Jigba was in here because I was thinking of it only in terms of less obvious people. But um, I guess what I would say is the fact that Jackson Smith the Jigba, I mean, Jackson Smith the Jigba forced some changes in the way that they arranged that receiving core before the season, right? I mean, even going back to the spring, like, he was a, I thought he was more of a known commodity. It doesn't surprise me that he had a productive accumulation season. Looking but, at there's a difference with, but there's a difference between a productive season and breaking the big tens record for most receiving yards in a season. Those are not on the same playing field. Like, yes, let's take right. it. Let's really take it back to the spring. If Jamison Williams doesn't tear his ACL, there's a good chance he might be the first receiver taken off the board. And Jackson Smith and Jigba made him go to Bama. Like, right, which this is why entire what he did, year, you're, man. You're arguing, no, you're arguing in my favor, Stephen, because what he did this fall is reflected in that. Like, the fact that he pushed him out. But, but Nathan, if we had said to you before the year, Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to break the Big Ten record for receiving yards in the season, not only is he going to lead Ohio State in receiving, not only is he going to lead the Big Ten in receiving, he's going to have more receiving yards than – is that right? That's what it is? He's going to have yes. more receiving yards than anybody ever in the history of Big Ten has ever had. That would have sounded ludicrous. Wouldn't it have sounded ludicrous, Nathan? Yes, I suppose. I think if you had said to me before the year – that whoever plays all those slot reps for Ohio State would do that, that wouldn't have been that surprising, whether it's him or somebody else. No, no, yes, it would have surprised you. It would have surprised all of us. None of us would have – I understand, like, understand they use their slot out of – but, dude, none, none of us were thinking this was on the table for him this year. I can't even allow you to think to think that it, would, it wouldn't have been surprising. None of us were thinking Jackson Smith and Jigman was going – we were having a conversation of how many catches he was going to have in comparison to those two and Jeremy Ruckert. That's where our conversations were in the offseason and the preseason yes, because, pods. Be, okay, but that was also dictated by how the targets in that offense had been distributed under Justin Fields, and it was a completely different – animal this year no we know how it happened surprising we know how it happened we just can't believe it i don't know i mean i guess it's the idea that like hey their linebackers are struggling let's put steel chambers on defense as surprising as that is it actually makes more sense to me than jackson smith ninjigba 
did something better than anybody in the history of the Big Ten had ever done. But guess what? The Texters agree with Nathan. And that surprised me. 2.72 for Steel Chambers, 3.89 for Jackson Smith and Jigba. No, excuse me, 3.09. So pretty close, 2.72 to 3.09. Then Ronnie Hickman, third, 3.50. Noah Ruggles, fourth, 4.05. The Jones brothers, Dewan Jones, 4.23 is fifth. Matthew Jones, number six at 5.76. Then Tommy Eichenberg at 6.10. And Cade Stover at 6.55. I am really surprised, Nathan, that the Texers, that enough, you know, enough of the people who voted went that same way. I just thought the, the, the magnitude of Jackson Smith and Jigba's Rose Bowl would kind of just wash over anybody. Um, you think what you think, but did you think, ah, the Texas will pick JSN? Or, did you, or you, did you expect them to pick Steel Chambers? I'm not surprised that they picked Chambers. Again, he wasn't even a linebacker until preseason camp. He wasn't a linebacker, and now you're arguing about whether or not he might have he was might have been their best linebacker by the end of the season. Like I'm and whatever, maybe he should have been a linebacker all along. Doesn't change the fact that he hadn't really repped at all at linebacker until the preseason was not even really on the field all that much to start the the season. And now all of a sudden is by the end of the year, you're talking about him having to start to make this defense as good as it could be. I just, I think that matters. Steven, are you surprised the Texters pick steel chambers? Yeah, I'm pretty shocked. Jackson broke a bunch of records. Yeah, it's just that simple for me. I mean, it's—I mean, nobody's disagreeing. It's not like Stephen and I don't think Steel Chambers yeah. was surprising, and it's not like Nathan doesn't think Jackson Smith and Jigba was surprising. It's just like the magnitude of it, and um, I—I I really thought I, again, I wasn't even going to put it in. I was like, wow, it's the Jackson Smith and Jigba award. Back when we did those Cleveland.comies, it was like we had an award that was. It was like the LeBron James Award. This is how long ago we were doing it. It was when LeBron was still in Cleveland. It was like the LeBron James Award for the best Cleveland athlete. Because it's like, well, we take LeBron out of the category. Because if he was in the category, he would just wins every year. So that's boring. So we named the award for him and took him out. I was almost going to make this the Jackson Smith and Jigba most surprising player of the year because I thought it was so definitely going to be him that there wasn't a point to having him in the category. So congratulations to Steel Chambers. You owe us $50. Not money gift card because sometimes if you get like the gift card thing maybe you can buy a gift card for yourself and then you get another one for a discounted rate so it shouldn't be 50 bucks out of pocket and again any fast casual chain is acceptable we're not picky about this stuff but uh thank you to steel chambers for that last break we'll come back with play of the year this is a little more complicated we'll do it next on buckeye talk all right 614-350 if you want to do things like this vote Voting. Everybody should vote. It's a good practice for voting. I had a trouble, and the texter saved me in trying to come up with plays of the year. Stephen, if I said to you, like, what to, what is an obvious nomination that should be on the list for play of the year? What's a play that would leap to mind for you? Um, without getting specific, any play that either leads to points or crazily shifts momentum. Well, that's I did not. Ha- that was not an option for any of the texters. Any play that leads to points. I got slightly more specific than that. Uh, OK, so um, like, for instance, OK, uh, momentum uh, shifting points. Then let's let's say that. No, 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 no. I'm asking you a single instance. It's third and seven. CJ Stroud drops back to pass. <laughs> oh, you want to actually give a play? OK, yeah, then, yeah, the, the, the Rose Bowl touchdown. OK, yeah. The, yeah. At the end of the game, Jack, I was trying to not do that. Yeah, no, no, but no. if you just want me you to get understand it, what yeah. I'm saying. Okay, yeah, yeah no, okay. a play. Yeah, <laughs> okay, a football fine. play. Yeah, the, the over-the-shoulder throw to Jackson Smith yeah. the Jigba okay. to go up in the Rose Bowl. Okay, that is that is one of the seven. That was one yeah. of the seven that got nominated. Nathan, do you have a play beyond that one that would leap to mind? I think that play does sort of encapsulate a lot of this season and was, I think it was probably going to be the one the one for me as well. So you don't have another one. <laughs> you have another one. <laughs> Nothing that nothing that uh, the only other one that kind of along the same lines was was in the Rose Bowl. Also, Hickman's fourth down uh, tackle that made that win possible. That is another one. So there are two Rose Bowl plays. Those are the two plays. The Jackson Smith and Jigba over the shoulder touchdown catch and the Ronnie Hickman stop on fourth down. Other plays that were nominated as suggested by the texters. 
two plays from the opener, which I thought was interesting, but people were jacked up on a Thursday night for the Minnesota game. The Zach Harrison strip sack and fumble return for a touchdown by Haskell Garrett. You guys remember that one? Mm-hmm. And the Travion Henderson screen, 70-yard screen pass, kind of put that game away that sort of announced Travion Henderson to Ohio State. And I like people sort of did pick some things, like not just the play itself, but what the play represented, right? So that was like, hey, Travion Henderson is here. Um, Dron Cage, 57-yard, big man scoop and score, fumble return for a touchdown against Penn State. People like the big man plays. Is that an appropriate play to have on this list of seven? Yes, because one, it's a big moment, but then also the the antics afterward of everybody on the sideline fanning him while he's just staring off into space, tired as all can be, because he's probably never ran that far before in his life. It was amazing. And I, the extraneous stuff does make it kind of fun, so I like that kind of stuff. Chris Olave's record-breaking touchdown for most career touchdown catches at Ohio State. I do think that's a 43-yard touchdown catch. Uh, against Michigan State, that matters, right? That he, it's the ball he had after the game, that it was a moment in Ohio State history that, I mean, it was kind of just like Chris Olave being Chris Olave and CJ Stroud being CJ Stroud, but like you don't want to take that for granted. And it was really, really meaningful. So I thought that was certainly one worth it. And then one from a loss, Garrett Wilson's 25 yard leaping catch against Michigan, kind of at the front pylon where he went over the DB and did his Garrett Wilson in the air kind of stuff, put Ohio state ahead early in that game. Nathan, is that an appropriate one to add here? It isn't a loss, but it was kind of felt kind of big at the time. Yeah, I think that can, it's not going to win, but those are worthy candidates. Um, you know, a, a, a play can be memorable, even if it doesn't carry you to a victory. I mean, honestly, like the most memorable plays from the season are going to be ones that other teams had arguably. <laughs> yeah. No, that is true. Like the Blake Corum run with perfectly blocked by Michigan, the CJ Verdell run up the gut that stuck a knife in Ohio state, the third down stop on Travion Henderson when Ohio state came out to start the second half and just ran, ran, ran and decided that's how they wanted to attack. Mm-hmm. So yes, I agree. Some people did want negativity. I like it when we try to be trying to congratulations on your award and people are like, ah, Go negative. Negative's more interesting. Buckeye talk, uh, which often can be the case, but I don't know. I mean, again, what are we? We know what we know what went wrong. I mean, I don't want to give people awards for it, right? Especially amateurs. So we didn't do that. We did positive stuff. Those are the nominees. Covered all the nominees. So it's three defense, four offense, and the four offensive plays. You know, CJ Stroud's being CJ Stroud but it's one each for the receivers plus one for Travion. So it's like the four best skill guys represented. And then it's two defensive scores and a big defensive stop. So those are the nominees. Steven, what would you pick? Yeah, I'm picking the over shoulder throw to Jackson Smith and Jigba. I just feel like that is the, that play, that throw to that connection encapsulates the season um, it was the entire theme of that game of how many times can those two play catch and it actually get to a win. And I think it also is like the springboard into what we might just see a lot more of this next season. And I mean, they needed it because they were in the middle of a comeback. Nathan, what would you pick? Yeah, I- I'm going the same thing. And it's, it's also more, it has the unique aspect of being both like the arguably biggest highlight of this season and also like the biggest like announcement of what could happen next season. It's both things. It's like, it's like the ultimate piece of achievement for 2021 and all and the ultimate sign of hope for 2022. And Ryan day afterwards said, did he effing catch that? Right. There's that. Which also adds to it. So, you know, guys get excited. I did uh, sitting at home on my couch watching that game. It's like I screen grabbed the TV angle of it because they had one of the cameramen like right in the end zone. And so you get like Jackson catching it over his shoulder, but it's a a full on shot of Jackson. And then like behind them is like the rest of the Rose Bowl and the mountains. People love the stinking mountains. So like 
it's almost like one of those two. I think we think about it like with Eddie George and I think like Antonio Pittman and some of those like, like a play that you could take a picture of and you could t- take a picture of a play as an Ohio State fan and hang it on your wall. You could hang that picture on your wall. And it'd be like, what's that? It looks cool. And then you'd be like, oh, here's what that was. And it'd be like, wow. So that one, Texters voted for that. That, and again, this was not a rank. This was just pick it. 44% of the people voted for that. From a from a only like football perspective, I might vote for the Hickman fourth down stop because it was like, sort of an individual play in space that's like, hey, you've got to make the play here. And it's a football play, and it helps swing the game. And as you said, Stephen, all these things were happening within the context of a comeback, so they're all connected. But as, like, magic, you can't – I mean, it's not like the Stroud JSN throw wasn't a football play, but it's like, man, a fourth down stop, especially for this team, right? That Like, this is – they didn't make a ton of plays like that. Um, I was almost tempted to vote for that just from that standpoint, but from the all encompassing thing, I think it's hard to get away from the JSN thing. Steven, I'm almost surprised it didn't get more than 44% given yeah. like how spectacular it was. And it's like, it's almost a, a lot of CJ Stroud's best throws this year were to Jackson. And this was, and every time it got better and better, whether it was the throws over the middle or over the sideline, or when Jackson basically caught a Michigan cornerback and the ball at the same time to keep a drive alive. And then you have this one. I mean, yeah, this is, this touchdown catch basically won you the game because yes, Utah came down and responded, but then you came down and, you know, drove and got a field goal. So this is basically the drive that won you the game. I'm a little jaded by the Hickman fourth down stop. It's a great play. I don't want to take away from that. But he also had some moments basically in the drive before that fourth down stop drive that almost also cost Ohio State the game. So it kind of evens itself out a little bit because he had some bad coverage plays, which I think were the two worst plays of his season. And then he backed that up with the best play of his season. So I'm a little jaded by that one. Um, But, yeah, the Jackson and C.J., this is just like the magnum opus of like seven or eight moments throughout the season. And they needed it. They, it's the fact that they needed this touchdown and they needed every single play that happened between CJ and Jackson, especially in that game that adds to it. Nathan, 44% for that play. Does that seem low to you? A little bit, just because I, I thought recency bias would maybe win out there. I suppose I mean, you could even argue, I guess there were some other throws in that game that even though they weren't the go-ahead points were even more critical, like, you know, the fourth down touchdown pass um, to Marvin Harrison, um, like as far as like got to have it in the moment was was maybe a little bit different. So, um, but I, I think it probably, when I look at that list, as far as impact on the season, as far mm. as lasting impact in Ohio State lore, like one of those, all those other plays, fun plays. I don't know if any of them like goes into consideration for like lore other than maybe this catch. And it's especially because of what those guys could do next year as a pair. Again, as I was saying before, then it becomes like, well, you know, people are going to be talking. You'll, you'll see it on broadcast next year. Like, well, you know, Jackson Mitsubishi has 180 of CJ Stroud's 400 yards today. And it all got started last year with that season they had. And here was that catch they had in the Rose Bowl. Like, I think it's, it's going to be sort of a defining moment for this connection that they now get to build on. And I do think the two Rose Bowl plays are kind of like the only two plays on the list that like won Ohio State an important game that they didn't have, they didn't, as we've talked about, they didn't win the things they want. They want to win. They didn't beat Michigan. They didn't win the big 10 championship. They didn't win a playoff game. So like a, a play that had impact, it's like, well, you, you get to the Rose bowl. It's like, well, I mean, the season's kind of, you know, you already missed the playoff. How impactful can the play be? But what's the other nominee of a play that like got them over the top, like a game winning touchdown catch or a game saving Oh, it's tooth and nail on this sack save. Like the Joey Bosa 2014 throw the running back into the quarterback in overtime against Penn State kind of thing, right? Like that, that they just didn't they didn't have really a play like that this year. The Harrison strip sack and Haskell Garrett takes it back for a touchdown was a pretty significant moment 
um, for momentum, but it still doesn't necessarily measure up. There's still a gap between what that is and then what these two plays are, especially yeah, since I, they're in succession of each other like that. Yeah, and I, I was going to say, like, the, the play that Steven just mentioned and the cage fumble return against Penn State, if you take either one of those out, it changes the complexion of that game, but it's not the same as what you're talking about. So, Nathan, what do you think finished second? 44% for the Rose Bowl catch. You got to get 19% for the number two play. Any guesses? Um, boy, uh, I would do. Can I? I think it's going to be either the Henderson screen pass because of like that being sort of like the moment that he arrives or the Alave touchdown catch just for sort of nostalgia. Steven, what do you think? Yeah. I think I'm going to go Henderson screen pass. I just, the Olave thing was, was awesome. And I don't want to take away from it at all, but there was so much happening in that first half of that Michigan state game that it can almost get lost in the wind a little bit because they were just scoring every two seconds. So I'll, I'll go Henderson screen pass. It's the cage return, which just surprised me. (laughs) I don't know why I I guess love the big man. They love the big man. 19% for the cage return was second. The Olave record-breaking touchdown was third at 11%. Fourth is the Hickman fourth down stop at 9%. Fifth is the Henderson screen at 7%. Sixth is the Harrison strip sack and Garrett fumble return at 5%. And four, uh, last is the Garrett Wilson 4% for the Garrett Wilson touchdown against Michigan. So I don't know how we get – I guess Jackson Smith and Jigba and C.J. Stroud could get together and combine for the gift card for us for winning that uh, award. So, and maybe everybody who was part of it, maybe the blockers, right. You could all, all guys chip in. All right. Those are our awards. Nobody cares about them. It's, I think we're right at the edge of moving on. Right. Nathan, I think we're, we're holding out. So we're going to do state of the program, I think next week. And that is a texture survey that I really want to do. And I really want to talk about state of the program in a lot of different areas. And we wanted to get the coaching staff settled before that happened. And the coaching staff is settled. And so we, we wanted to do that so we knew what people were voting on. We didn't want you voting on like last year's staff. We want you voting on what it is now. So I think that will be our big pod next week. And I also think we're going to take Tuesday off. So we're dropping this for you on Monday. I would expect us back on Wednesday. So don't look for a Tuesday pod unless something happens. Uh, but then, Nathan, I think once we do state of the program, I think we're ready for projected depth charts. Does that sound right to you? Yeah, I think we're definitely at that place. I mean, there's still some decisions to come out. Sounds like from what he posted very cryptically on Friday that Zach Harrison expects to be back at Ohio State next year, so we can include him. But there might be some other positions that we are still kind of waiting to finalize some things. I'm actually looking up when, I guess, January, mid-January. 17th. I think it's the 17th is the deadline. All right, so that's like uh, the day you're listening to this podcast. So once that's cleared, then we'll have another sense of that. Like, okay, will this guy go in the NFL or not? Because if Zach Harrison's here at Ohio State, we certainly will project him as a starter. And if he's not, then you got to project somebody else. So I think that's good that we waited on that too. So look for that next week, and then we'll start looking ahead to the 2022 season. And that will flip the calendar to a new season of Buckeye Talk. For now, thanks to you guys for listening. For Nathan Baird and Stephen Means, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>